Well, welcome, fellow servants. I'm going to use a little technology tonight. You know, one of these um, fancy cell phones, iPhones. And I got to show you something that showed up on our cell phone. What do you see there? A lot of clouds, yeah. Y'all can't see all these clouds, but um, there's dark clouds. And this one's worse. See that cloud there? You probably recognize that when you're being in Iowa. You know, these are kind of storm clouds of the Midwest. These are in Kansas on Monday night in Topeka, Kansas, where our daughter lives. This is what modern technology can do for you. You see, in real time, she sent these to us as it was happening. And then she was talking to us and was connected with Maxine and myself, our son Mark in St. Louis and his wife, and Jill and her family over in, in Beaverton. And so we're texting back and forth about this because... They live in that Midwest, you know, where the tornadoes are in season. And the siren had gone off. And it's just getting close to 6 o'clock, still daylight. And so they go out and watch it on their back porch. Now, they can't open the front door because the wind's blowing so hard from the south that the door won't even open. But they're on the back porch, and they got these storm clouds, all these clouds surrounding. And we're texting back and forth, talking to them about the storm. Now, it's almost dark, so it gets dark. And by the way, they have these sirens that go off on their neighborhood, but then they also have a radio in their house that's on all the time, a kind of a broadcaster. And the voice comes on and says, storm warning, tornado warning, take shelter, whatever the case may be. And so the sirens had gone off, the voice had come on the speaker system, and was calling, reminding them they probably should consider taking shelter. But where they were, the storm was a little bit north of them, so they watched it. Then it got dark, and then she texts later, and a few minutes later, and it's, you can't see where the storm is, you can't see it's dark out, and the radio blast again, take shelter. So they go to the basement. So she sends the next picture of our granddaughter, Bryn, with the dog. The dog doesn't know when to get in the house, but he gets privileges now. So he's down in the basement, and they're hi to hide out underneath the stairway, which is where their safety zone is. And it's always interesting, but they, have to ha they got food down there and water and a few things in case the house would collapse on them. And you have to take your shoes with you when you go to those shelters, your basement, because if you happen to be walking in your stocking feet or bare feet in the house, and you got there, and the house collapsed on you and all that wood and nails and everything else, you couldn't walk out. You would not get out of the house. So the rule is take your shoes with you or at least have extra pairs of shoes down there, which they do in their basement. So they go down the basement and we're still waiting. Where, what's uh, what's going to happen? And we're waiting to see and we wait and text a little bit. And then comes the good news. The phone dings and says, we are fine. Tornado warnings are expiring. Thanks for prayers. There were tornadoes in Kansas, but not right by us. Welcome spring in the Midwest. Tornado season. You ever have a tornado come to your house? Well, storms come in our life, don't they? Clouds gather. Things happen. Maybe there's a storm brewing in your life right now. It may not be a tornado, but it's a storm. Things are happening, and you're praying for safety and protection. And it's interesting, of course, when the siren goes off in the Midwest or in Topeka, when the siren goes off and the warning is hit 
for, look for head, for head for safety. Certain people don't. The police department takes alert. They have, if they've got to be ready to respond to where the, if a tornado comes down or the wind blows the roof off, they've got to go, no matter what, how bad the weather is. The fire department, the paramedics are on response ready. The hospitals are ready in case they have emergency rooms filled up with people get hurt. And so the response teams are ready. Some people have to go out and they have to be the servants to serve and to help the people that might be in a crisis situation. And we are called to be servants. We are called to serve too, to serve people who are in a crisis or a need to minister to each other. And that's what the text is about tonight. When we look at the scripture reading that Pastor Don just read a few moments ago. And I'd like to center on just a couple of the verses in the text tonight. There's a lot of things in here, but they'll be, they'll be uh, taken care of during the rest of the Lenten season. But we find a teaching moment here, a very important teaching moment in the Luke's uh, text tonight. It's interesting. Jesus celebrates the Lord's Supper, and they have the body and blood of Christ. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then they start having an argument. What do they argue about? Remember what we just read? What was their argument? Huh? Who's the, yeah, who's the best? Who's the greatest among us? Yeah. They want an argument. That'd be like we all started arguing here. Who's the best one around here? Who's the greatest? And they were arguing about who's the greatest. And so, the, so verse 20, look at, look at your uh, scripture, uh, your um, worship folder. On verse 24, it says, They dispute also arose them as to which of them was to regard it as the greatest. And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, meaning like a child, and the leader as one who serves. Now the key verse, verse 27. Let's read it together. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as one who serves. Interesting verse. Now you got to picture this culture back then 2,000 years ago. It was more a division of culture than we have today. Some people sat at table, and some people had to serve those who reclined at table. They didn't sit at table. But if you reclined at table... You got served. The servants served you. You got your feet washed before you sat down. You washed your hands. You got the food brought to you, the wine, the grapes, the, the breads, and all everything. You were served. Our culture has kind of changed a little bit from that, although everybody wants to be served. But we're dealing also in this culture in which we live. Today, we've got kind of a different culture it's been replaced by simply tolerance. Everybody's supposed to be tolerant of everybody else and everybody else's views, but my view is the best, right? But I'll be tolerant of your view, and on and on goes the tolerance idea that we are supposed to tolerant of anybody who wants to do anything the way they want to do it, they can do it. We're supposed to be tolerant. And honor has kind of gone down the wayside, perhaps. We're in a culture of diversity. You can do what you want to. You can be diverse and you can have it the way you want it and you're supposed to have it the way you want it. It's a kind of tipsy-topsy culture. Individualism is, is rampant today. People stand up and it's my right. 
but not yours, or whatever. And so we get in these kind of cultural battles that we see in our own culture today. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus comes to us too and says in the text, I am the one who serves. After he asks the question, who's the greatest? Now, shouldn't Jesus have been the one who was sitting at table and being served? But that's not what happens. He gets up and washes the feet of the disciples. He serves his body and blood. If he serves the meal, he's the servant. And the disciples sit at the table. And then, but then Jesus makes the statement, I am the one who serves. Amazing. I am among you as the one who serves. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to serve us so that we could have salvation, so that you can go to heaven and live with him when this life is over. You can have his presence, his peace in your lives. But now we see these disciples arguing. Isn't that amazing? It's like we went to communion, and then we all started arguing about who's the greatest. But that's what we kind of do anyway in the church, right? We argue from time to time. Who's the greatest? What program's the best? What should I do? What should I not do? Happened in Corinth in the New Testament. The Corinthians were saying, hey, I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. I follow, I follow Jesus. And Paul had to write to him and say, no. Or they follow Peter. You follow Jesus, Paul said. Then became the Reformation. 500 years ago, we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and the church was in turmoil. And a reform movement came. There was a division. Christians are divided today. A lot of uh, help between each other, sometimes in the Christian churches. Satan's at work. Satan does a good job in the political system in our country today. I'm getting sick and tired of it. It's all this going on of anger and bitterness and all the divisions over such things. It's like everything that's going on in the news. Division of health care, immigration, who rules. We're divided, as we hear so often. So I'm going to divide you up tonight in two groups. In a role play, like, okay? You feel, when you do a role play, you feel the role you're playing, okay? Just to get a feel of what this is like now when Jesus is talking about in this text. So here's how we're going to do this. This side over here, you're going to be, let's say, the ones who sit at table, okay? You're the elite. The people over here are the servants. You're going to serve all these people over here, okay? You're the servants. These are the ones at the table. Now think about that. How does that make you feel? You people that are sitting at table, feel pretty good? Yeah, feel pretty good about that? They're going to serve you. Whatever you want, coffee, water, food, wash your, <laughs> wash your feet, whatever you want. They'll take care of you, right? You, you feel, how do you feel about that, being servants? Is that fair, huh? Not good. Not good. Yeah, not good. Is that, is that fair? Did you guys serve all these people over here? No, not fair, huh? There we go. See? So who's the greatest? These people over here, they're going to be, they're sitting here being served, or these people over here are doing the servants? So the div- division occurs between us. We've got division among us. So when you start thinking about that role play, you're feeling how you're, what happened that night with the disciples Who's the greatest? Who's the best? Jesus, them, or, or who among them? Now let's reverse that role. You people become the servants over here, okay? And you become the people at the table. Now you lost your role. How do you feel now? 
You got to serve them over there. Their their wants, which you got to take care of, right? You feel better now? Oh, you feel great. Okay, good. <laughs> feel better when you get to be served, right? So when you reverse the roles, we feel different. Now you can imagine. Here's Jesus being the servant, and he's telling disciples, look, I came to serve you. And this is where the, the text comes in. But I am among you as the one who serves. What did Jesus do? He went to the cross. Lent is about the cross, about dying for us, paying the price for our sins, going all the way to be abandoned by his disciples. He was betrayed. He was denied. And then everybody left him at the cross, his disciples even to the point where God abandoned him, the Father, and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Totally abandoned. Because he was serving you and me. He was becoming the lamb who was crucified on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice so you can live beyond the grave and have eternal life. And so we're called to serve him then. We're called to be servants in this kingdom. He calls us to serve, and our serving is our responsibility to serve. Now, we may not like that, but that's who we are. Last week, we gave you the cross. Hope you put it up somewhere in your house so you got a, a worship center and put your items on there each week. If you weren't here last week, you can get a cross. We have some extra ones out back in the back. You can use it all year around, but especially for the Lenten season. And we add a piece each week. And this week, we add a rock. And a little slip of paper in there will tell you about the rock being for the garden where Jesus prayed, where he struggled in prayer for you and me. We want the cup to be removed, the suffering, but God said no, the Father said no, and Jesus went on and suffered. So we'll pass those out tonight when you leave. To remind us what Jesus did for us in the Garden of Gethsemane as he struggled in prayer and went on the mission then to serve us. Now we're called then not to serve. We are to serve Jesus, as the text tells us. We're called to be servants to each other. Now, will you ever get to sit at the table? Yeah, that's the good news. We get to sit at the table sometime. And that comes in your other verses. Look at the verses 20, the last paragraph, verses 28 to 30. Look what happens. Here's what Jesus says, starting at verse 28. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom. You get a kingdom. Wow. That you may eat and drink. Where? At my table, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You that judge the 12 tribes of Israel. You're going to sit on a throne. You're going to eat at his table. That's what we get to look forward to. When this life is over, Jesus came and served us and took care of our sin on the cross so we can go and live in the kingdom of God. And we will sit at table. No more serving. When you're in heaven, you don't serve anymore. You sit at the table. But it will come. But meanwhile, here on earth, we are to be servants. 
We are to serve. We are to serve him, knowing that the day will come when we, we can sit at the table. But unfortunately, here's the sad part. There are some people who don't follow through. There are some people who don't want to serve, and so they walk away, and they will miss the opportunity to sit at the table of Jesus. It happens. We see it happen maybe in our own lives. And I want to tell you a little sad, or share a sad story that I think is sad, at least it's sad for me, back again to the technology of the iPhone. A few weeks ago, I got a message on my message board, which was surprising to me, because it comes from a person who was growing up in our church in Hamilton uh, years ago as a child. He was a child. I confirmed him. His wife was also a girl who grew up in the church, and I confirmed her. They got married. I did the wedding. And that was 40 years ago. So it's been over 40 years that he was a child in the church. This came a few weeks ago. Hi, Pastor Kiesling. Glad I found you. You are and were a foundation to my life, foundational to my life. I would enjoy you as a friend on Facebook for this reason. Please accept. I want your feedback on my more contentious post now that I'm an atheist. And I thought, he's kidding. But he's not. I looked at some of his other posts. I see what he says on Facebook. He doesn't believe. The sad part was, Bob became a chaplain, or a chaplain's assistant in the, in the Air Force for years. He retired as a chaplain's assistant. He was around clergy, around people. But in the process, he turned away. He called it hypocritical. He said he got into evolution and chaplains couldn't answer his questions and the Bible is not valid. And so he has turned away from the Lord. And so he keeps writing about all these things. But he's got a soft heart somewhere. He says, please kiss Maxine for me. I gave her such a hard time in choir practice. <laughs> Maxine had a junior choir when we were there in the church and they sang in church sometimes. He sang in it. He was in the choir. He remembers giving her a bad time. She said she didn't remember that. But anyway, he says, you too will never know how much you mean to so many people whose lives you've touched. I wrote back and said, Bob, I appreciate that I touched your life and you say that, but somewhere I missed because you don't follow Jesus. What happened to Jesus' love? I asked him, the last time I, I texted him, spend eternity. Well, I haven't heard back from him yet, but he says he will answer me when he thinks about it. But what happened? What did he lose? Or what did I not do? Or what happened to the church not do that Bob no longer experiences the love of Jesus? I'm not sure. It is a challenge, isn't it, in the church? Because people do walk away. People miss out on the banquet table. We could. You could walk away too. That's always the danger. 
That's why Lenten season again calls us to come back and look at the passion of Jesus and draw closer to him each Lenten season that we can have a closer walk with Jesus and not walk away. I don't want you to walk away. I don't want Bob to walk, stay walked away. I want Bob to come back. For some reason, God connected us after 40-some years. Maybe God will use this conversation, I hope and pray. Every time I text him, I pray to say the right thing. I pray for Bob and his wife, Bev, that they will come back, and for all others who have left. And I pray that all of us will remain faithful to Jesus and not walk away. Because if we walk away, we will lose the opportunity to sit in his kingdom at the table. I'm going to leave, leave that thought with you here in the text today about what Jesus talks about service. And by the way, both, of you, both sides of you here are servants. Your servants, your servants. We're all servants to each other. Who's the greatest among us? No one, except Jesus, whom we serve, right? Jesus is the greatest. We serve him. We're his servants. We serve him by loving others, by caring and being ready to respond, just like the people in Kansas were ready to respond if a tornado struck. When catastrophe strikes, we're there to help and help each other. So both all of us are servants now, but we look forward to the day that we are invited to sit at the table. Are you going to sit at the table? You bet, right. We're going to sit at the table. Someday we're going to be sitting at the table. And we can, we can all say to each other, we're up there and sitting at the table with each other, well, isn't this wonderful? Wow, what this wonderful, plentiful table. And we talk about our servanthood, how we served. May God bless you as a servant of Jesus. Jesus came to serve us, and now he lives and reigns in heaven. He's sitting at the table waiting for us to join him at the table because he's paid the price for our sin. He's given us eternal life. He loves you. He cares about you. You are important. In the meantime, we serve each other then. Join me in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for call us to servanthood. It's not always easy. Storms gather, clouds come, darkness occurs. But we know, Lord, that there's all people out there to help us, to be servants to us, to move in our hearts and lives. We pray that we can be good servants, to serve you faithfully. Because you served us, Lord. You went all the way to the cross and was abandoned. You paid the price for sin and suffered and died for us that we might live and have eternal life and look forward to living in the kingdom of God, to be seated at the table. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray for Bob and Bev tonight who for some reason walked away. Don't know why Bob became an atheist. I pray that he can change that by your power, your Holy Spirit working in him and someday he can say, I'm a follower of Jesus again. I pray for Bob and Bev, Lord. Thank you that we reconnect after all these years. And I pray that you bless them in their journey of life. They come to the truth again. May all of us remain in the truth, Lord. May each person gather here tonight remember always to be a, we are a servant now, but look forward to sitting at your table. May we never lose that trust and faith. So who is the greatest among us, O Lord? You are. We're your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.